Welcome to the Bread and Salt Podcast. I'm Thomas DeMello, and today I'm going to be talking with Irma Sophia Porter. Um, Before we get started with that conversation, I wanted to mention our upcoming exhibition. We have a solo show with Carlos Castro. It's entitled Remorses and Other Maladies. It opens February 27th from 5 to 8 p.m. If you decide to come on down, please bring a mask. Irma Sophia Porter is a multidisciplinary artist working not just in textiles and installation, but also curation and architecture. Uh, She designed her home and studio in Takati, and we talk about all those things. So here is our conversation. Hi, Thomas. Good to see you. I'm kind of new to Zoom and all this technology, so... um, Well, thank you for the invitation. um, You're one of our first guests, so it's pretty exciting. found a lot of things interesting about... um, your time in TJ as a young artist. I'd love to hear that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I started, I was about 30 when I started, um, you know, making art as a professional, you know, exhibiting before I was just, uh, I did it as a hobby and as a, you know, something that I like to do. Um, But in um, 1993, uh, that's when I started in Tijuana. That's where everything, you know, everything was starting in Tijuana. That's when uh, inside what was, you know, beginning and and all these eyes were put in in this region. So I was pretty lucky to to start at that era. And um, so I um, I was living in Tijuana at the time because I uh, I was born in Los Angeles in Arcadia. Uh, but I've lived in Ensenada, I lived in Tijuana, San Diego, Los Angeles, and now we live in Tecate. So I'm, I'm a border girl, you know, I've been on both sides of the border. Um, my father uh, was American, my mom Mexican, so I have both cultures and I have the opportunity living in this area of um, really, you know, partaking in both, both cultures at the same time. Did you go to school in uh, Los Angeles or did you um, uh, move to Mexico? I went to school in Mexico. I studied um, uh, some years of architecture, but I did not finish. Uh, so I'm basically a self-taught artist. What um, did your parents do? Did they did they have any career in the arts or anything like that? Not at all, Thomas. I was I'm like the the odd in the family, you know. <laughs> you, you know, like uh, growing up and telling my mother that I wanted to be an artist or wanted to go see something at a gallery or museum it was kind of like it was kind of weird well I was 30 years old when I decided to become an artist um I was already married and I had my I had kids you know and I lived a very conventional you know housewife um life and suddenly you know I had this um a really incredible teacher that really, really uh motivated me to to take it to another to another step you know to another uh, you know, area. And so I decided to go into, into art and I started exhibiting mainly in Tijuana. Who's your teacher at the time? My teacher was um, Luis Lombardo, which is a teacher that came from, um, from Mexico City. And he established a, um, a studio, artist studio and um, etching studio in, in Tijuana. He was one of the first to come. A lot of, a lot of uh, teachers from Mexico City started coming over here uh, to Tijuana, and um, there wasn't an art school in Tijuana, so they would come and give um, workshops and 
and talks and everything. So we as artists there, you know, we're very eager to um, to learn and to meet people. So uh, a lot, well, he was one of the artists that came and uh, established himself for, I think about, about five years. And then he went back to Mexico City. Uh, what was the name of the school? Is it an independent art school that he was running? Or? Yeah. He was to just open a studio, his own studio, and he accepted um, students and artists that wanted to explore the work. So it was a very informal, but very, very, um, 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 you know, a lot of knowledge and a lot of practice and, you know, one-to-one -one experience with the teacher, working alongside the teacher. And so it was a very incredible, incredible experience for me. You mentioned Insight. Was Insight around that time too? Yes, Insight was around that time. Funny because by the time I really got started um, trying to do shows and paying attention independently to all the art in San Diego, Insight was kind of on its way out. But looking, you know, as an older artist now, like looking back at what was happening with Insight, it was such a neat program, uh, commissioning site-specific arts and things like that on both sides of the border. I think a lot of artists... Um, that we all accept now, like Marcos Ramirez Are, um, probably got a lot of attention through that program. Yeah. And we, I've heard that they might be bringing that program back or. Yeah. Yeah, Carmen Cuenca has been talking about bringing it back. That would be great. I thought it was a really incredible you know, opportunity uh, because we, we live in a very special area, San Diego, Tijuana area. It's very, very special. Right, I kind of just got chills when you said that because I, I, I said it so many times yesterday and um, especially with where bread and salt is. And, um, you know, I think of so many times pre-COVID where we would end our day here at 4 p.m. and run down to TJ and go see a show down there. And I would be back home by 7 p.m., you know? So I don't think people realize how easy it is to do, you know, to just run down to TJ if you live in San Diego, go see a show, go see a performance, and then just be back home, you know? Um, people's perception of the border is kind of, funky and it, the arts are such a great way to kind of bridge it and um, it's an interesting dynamic and I think it's something that San Diego and TJ you know the Baja region it's so unique in the arts community LA doesn't have it San Francisco you know New York never will none of those places will have this you know sister city kind of feeling um, yeah but um, and it's a symbiotic relationship you know we need each other you know, not only, you know, art wise, but, you know, in, in social wise, political and, you know, ecological, you know, it's a very intertwined um, relation. And um, did it feel like that in your early days when you were um, deciding to become an artist? Did you feel that there was a relationship in the arts like that? Because I don't know, I'm, I've kind of seen it go up and down all the time in the, you know, couple decades that I've been really trying to be an artist and pay attention, you know? You know, I've lived most of my life in Mexico. Mm -hmm. You know, that's why I have this really heavy accent. <laughs> but, um, you know, Spanish is my first language. So I lived in this area, especially in the north part of Mexico, you know, where there's a love-hate relationship with the United States, you know. There is, um, um, so for a long time, for me, you know, it was very, since I, I look very foreign, you know, I don't look like Mexican. So I always wanted to fit in a way, you know. So, um, so I took the stance of this kind of, um, you know, not accepting my American side, you know, and focusing on my Mexican side for a long time. 
until I was 40 years old, I decided that I wanted, you know, I said, you know, my father was American and he was a great individual. He was a really generous, intelligent and giving person, you know, and, and um, both cultures have their, uh, you know, their negative and the positive. So that's when I started really embracing my American culture. And, um, and I think it happens, you know, with the people around here, there is this this need and also, you know, you were, we're very, as, as Mexicans, I'm talking as Mexican right now, this part is talking right now, <laughs> um, um, to, um, to really, you know, lose their, our individuality as Mexicans, you know, because we're so close and the American culture kind of, you know, engulfs everything, you know, not only, you know, border towns, the whole world, you know, it's, all, it's so uh, um, related to the, to the American culture. Um, but also there is this, you know, admiration and, and, um, and, you know, um, about the, the American culture and, and their, and their ways of, um, of, um, dealing with situations and the way of living and, and democracy and all that. So it's, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a sticky situation, you know, and it's, it, it's a very complex situation yeah. for me, for me as an individual, you know, living on both sides, something really in, kind of um, odd or happens, you, you know, when I'm in Mexico, especially in the interior of Mexico, you know, and I approach somebody and usually they're standoffish, you know, to, when they look at me because they say, oh, you know, this gringa, what's going to happen, you know, and then I start speaking Spanish and my Spanish is perfect. So people automatically do this, you know, kind of, you know, and they, you know, and in the United States, it happens the opposite, you know, they look at me, you know, and I start speaking, you know, so they're like this, and they start speaking, and they start, oh, where, where is she from, you know, so it's, it's, um, I don't, I don't kind of fit in either of those cultures, so I kind of decided to do my own my own uh, hybrid, you know, in my, so I don't, I can't fit in Mexican. I, I enjoy Mexican things and I enjoy American things, but I can't say that I'm a Mexican American and I don't even think I'm a Mexican American because what is that, you know? So um, yeah, it's interesting. And I think my work has a lot to do with that kind of assemblage, you know, of different parts in creating a new. When you think of yourself as an artist, do you think of yourself specifically as just an artist or do you think of yourself as a Mexican artist or, or anything like that? Sometimes people uh, categorize themselves in the arts and it's, you know. Yeah, I think before I used to think myself as an artist, not a Mexican artist or, you know, um, but now with the pandemic, I don't even know even if, if I'm that, you know, because um, you kind of define for what you do, you know, and you know, when this first thing started, you know, everything just came down to a standstill. And you would say, you know, well, you know, everything was geared to my art and everything is, everything is, you know, flat right now. So who am I, you know, really, you know, if I can't do art, you know, what, what am I or who am I? So it's a lot of things has been going through my mind, you know, now everything is a little bit flowing again, you know, and projects are coming up again, you know. Uh, we're kind of dealing with the situation and we're kind of normalizing. So, yeah, so I just, you know, this kind of question about, you know, if, what am I? I'm an artist first, a person, a human being? I don't know. Right. And, you know, that what you were saying about the pandemic, just identifying like what what is most important and, and all those things. It's, you know, funny running a gallery, bread and salt. 
uh, we all had to take a real breath and try to figure out what, what what does it mean to to be running a gallery? What can we offer to the public? All those kinds of things. And it's it's kind of how this podcast ended up starting and the Instagram lives we were doing and also, um, you know, uh, trying to figure out how to help artists and um, sell work and things. Um, because we've all been, you know, putting everything we had into being these artists. And part of that is making money to survive. And that's awfully hard to do when people aren't going out and seeing shows and um, thinking about spending extra cash on um, purchasing artwork. Um, I do want to back up a little bit and just talk about your time um, in TJ too, growing up. What were, you know, who are some of the artists and who are some of the people that um, helped make that decision for you as a as a person deciding to be in the arts were was there a group that you were participating with or did you have a collective or was there anything like that that um helped bounce ideas well when i first started i didn't know anything any artist or anything because i started you know um um so when with with my teacher luis um i started to meet artists um but usually they were all men right so they would get uh, one of the artists were um um, Marcos R was one of the artists, you know, the group. And um, so they would get together at the Secut. There was a cafeteria, really large cafeteria. So I would go there and, you know, we would sit there and talk about, you know, all different topics and everything. But, you know, I was thinking, what are the women? I didn't know any women at the time. So um, Felipe Edinburgh was one of the teachers that came from Mexico City. He was, uh, he recently died about a couple of years ago. He was a very important artist in Mexico and he came over one of the first ones. To, he was a performance artist. What was his name again? Sorry. Felipe Edinburgh. Okay. Edinburgh. Um, so he, um, he started coming and giving workshops. So I decided uh, the first one was how to live the art of living from art. That's one, what was one. And then the other uh, workshop he did was um, from the retinal to the conceptual and back. So there was the first kind of ideas of conceptual art, you know, that were kind of, we were kind of, uh, you know, learning, you know, and knowing uh, what was going on in that situation. So um, he was a very charismatic artist. So there were a lot of women in the workshop. <laughs> there were a lot of women in the workshop. There weren't a lot of artists, women. And my and I really wanted to connect with them because I wanted to know how they how they live their lives, how they, you know, can have a family and and do their art and you know kind of create like a community and you know and create you know work together and everything. So uh, I met uh, some artists there. I met um, Tania Candiani was there. Uh, Meli Barragan was there. Um, so we we started a group called Martes and um, uh, Mujeres en las Artes, Women in the Arts. Uh, so we would get together each Martes, which is Tuesday in Spanish, and we would just you know talk about you know you know, like a support group, but then we decided to to form this formal, you know, women's artists. And I think um, we started doing work, um, you know, with women's issues and everything. So uh, I guess that's that's first. Yeah, that was like, like the first show, the, the first group that I kind of I kind of got involved with, apart from the guys in the circuit. <laughs> Uh, but I, something that you said just makes me think of how uh, it's so important to have those moments with uh, 
collective minds meeting at coffee shops or whatever. It's so cliche, a bunch of artists meeting and having coffee um, and doing it regularly because myself, uh, some friends and uh, some friends and I that we ended up starting a gallery called Ice Gallery that was in North Park, but we met every Sunday for for just years and years and years. And it was just this thing that just evolved. And it basically informed almost everything that I do and the things that I've done, just those groups of artists meeting specifically. It sounds so cliche to be a bunch of artists meeting in a coffee shop, but... Um, but you know, we as artists, we we live kind of isolated life. You know, we yeah. are always in our studio and working. You know, usually, you know, if you're not in a collective or everything, so it's important to get in touch with with, especially you know, uh, in in my situation when I was looking for women artists. You know, that I really wanted to connect with that mm -hmm. and start talking about women issues. So my first pieces that I did were very connected with the women's issues and you know, feminism and all that. Um, was any of that work included in your survey that was at Sakut and yeah. also at the front? Um, yeah. It was a 25-year re retrospective that I had at Sakut and the front. And, you know, I, I, wanted the, I wanted the retrospective to encompass both sides of the border because, you know, I cannot define myself as Mexican or American. I'm, a, I'm in, like, in this no man's land right here, you know, and I go back and forth. So... Uh, that was very important to have the, the retrospective on both sides. And, you know, they, the really nice thing was that almost you have the border in the middle and the same distances from Tekut and the same distances from from the front, which I think, and I love the front. I think it's a great venue. It's a great little, little uh, space, you know, very well located. The front is great. Uh, Francisco M.A. is really great that is uh, organizing there right now and um, yeah, I'm wondering about some of your earlier shows. Were there galleries that were um, in TJ at the time? Or was there, because my experience going down and seeing uh, shows in TJ is more um, spaces that are newer. But the first time I saw your work was at La Caja a few years ago. I don't know when it was, but um, Griselda Rosas took us there and um, we saw your work. Um, what were some of the galleries? Are, are they still around or was it kind of, um, how has the gallery scene been in TJ um, as far as galleries? At first there weren't any galleries at all. And you know, they, it's very difficult, you know, you know, running a gallery is very difficult. And especially in Mexico, there is, especially in the border town, there is the culture of buying art is, is you know, it's so difficult to, uh, to, to, you know, to, to, to get that going. Um, so at first, no, we would have to go out, you know, usually in Mexico, to go to Mexico City and have a gallery there or in, in San, San Diego or in Los Angeles, you know, find that because, and now there are a couple of galleries, you know, like La Caja that I work with uh, Arturo very closely and, um, and some, uh, you know, 206 Contemporary from the, from the, um, um, oh, I forgot their names. Um, Ariola sisters, you know, so yeah, but they usually come and go, usually come and go. La Caja, I think, is one of the galleries that have stayed, you know, the longest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, yeah, I mean, just in my short time being around and running spaces, it's, it's sad seeing galleries pop up and the excitement and it's, it's a marathon to kind of keep a, a gallery going. It's really hard. And mostly, you know, you can't afford the rent after the second month. You know, it's really hard to keep a space going. Yeah. 
Um, but were, were you showing in San Diego too at that time? Did you, were there any spaces that you were aware of um, early on that you were coming over and seeing or? Not in galleries, but I showed in at the beginning at the San Diego Art Institute, I did that and, um, oh, and I did a gallery, um, what was his name? One in India Street. Oh I yeah. Can't remember. Um, I don't know. I'm just, you know, it's funny, like um, San Diego's had its ups and downs with galleries too. You know, we don't, they don't. David Seft, David Seft. Okay, right. Um, yeah, at the beginning, you know, he was there and he was like the, one of the pioneers, I guess, you know, with the, um, with the art galleries and yeah, sorry. I, I no, um, no, 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 I'm just thinking uh, the stories that I've heard talking with people like Mark Quint that really stuck it out in the downtown area in the early 80s and 90s and, um, you know, back and forth to La Jolla. Um, it's, it's hard, mainly because of rents, you know, it's always, you know, these creative young people or people that want to run spaces, they don't have the funds to support a space for that long. Um, but um what was it like uh did you did you always have a studio what was it like did, when you first decided to become an artist did you seek out having a studio or what was your practice like did you work from home or I, yeah first I walked I worked from home and then I and then uh, I uh, rented a real big warehouse at the maquiladoras area oh in the in the area where they were making yeah. clothing yeah so they were I had a studio there um, and then I moved to San Diego and then I kept the studio at uh, Colonia Federal. That's where uh, uh, Estacion Tijuana is and uh, Marcos R would have his space. I had a, I had a little um, uh, space there that I worked. Um, and uh, yeah, so I've usually, um, I like to work at where I live, you know, so that's, that's my, my uh, situation right now. Mm -hmm. I'm in Tecate and um, yep. So I've, I've had the opportunity of, of, you know, renting or, you know, having a space in home and, you know, whatever works at the time. Yeah. It's I've part of us having a artist in residence program, a, you know, artists having their own space. It's a really difficult thing. Most people, young artists, they end up working in their bedrooms or in their living rooms and, you know, it's really hard. So. Um, I have wondered what it's like being an artist in TJ and actually if people, you know, are finding good spaces and things like that. But it's interesting you saying that you had a space near the Maquiladoras. That's where, uh, you know, manufacturing is done, right? I mean, uh, um, is that where you were finding inspiration for fabrics and textiles? Was it easier to find that stuff there? Or how did you um, approach finding your materials as an artist? Um... Before I went into being an artist, I, I did a little bit of, uh, you know, I like to sew and I did a little bit of fashion design, um, you know, and I would do things. Uh, so it, you know, I remember exactly the day that suddenly clicked, you know, that I could fuse those things, you know, in my art. <clears throat> so um, from there on, fabric has been my main, my main material. Uh, it's very difficult for me to uh, because it's already it's already there, especially, um, you know, if you're talking about fabric that has, you know, color, you have the textures and you have the prints, you know, they all have this language already incorporated um, into the material that already like um, for me, it's very difficult to start from zero, you know, 
um, I draw very rarely, you know, I know how to draw and everything, but it's the ideas are just, you know, just this thing, putting it together with this thing and creating another thing, you know? So uh, there's already this um, starting point that you start with, with fabric. So my first, the, the palette was very, my first uh, pieces that I did, my palette was very limited, you know, whites and, you know, and, you know, natural colors. And, and I used a lot of uh, fabric, uh, clothing, you know, that, that I, you know, uh, remember my kids were very small, so I would take, you know, whatever I was doing and you know, they were practicing baseball and I would be sewing at the time, you know, it was something very practical, not very expensive, you know, uh, and, and very soft, very soft. And it's the way that I like to speak. I'm, I like to speak very soft, but I like to say very strong things, you know? So I, I liked that juxtaposition of the material being soft and ephemeral and, and the word or whatever the concept being very, very strong. So, um, so I started like that and then I started traveling and then, you know, I started just buying mm -hmm. uh, fabrics. I would leave with a couple pieces of, of clothing and I would come back with the whole suitcase full of you know, stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm sure it's, you know, being inspired, maybe going to a market or seeing clothing or textiles, like I'm sure it's uh, hard to not just grab it all and end up with a, a bunch of uh, materials to use. Um, I'm wondering about uh, machinery that you use to sew the, um, the pieces together and you mentioned hand sewing is it always been hand sewing or what what types of things have you had to do over time um did you have to source um, bigger machines or anything like that to help you with the process you know i think about 90 percent of the sewing is by hand mm, wow um and i like i like that way because it is a meditation for me you know and it's um mm, uh, you can maneuver better, you know, you can be sewing and, you know, especially when I'm doing three-dimensional works, it's, it's, it's much easier, um, you know, but if I do patterns and I do repetitive things or I do, you know, I, I do, the, I use the machine and, and I have a really, you know, really incredible machine that I had for about 30 years, then mm. now I think I, it needs to retire. <laughs> and I was thinking of buying like this industrial thing, you know, so I'm, I'm in the process of going into industrial uh, because more, more because I'm using very thick fabrics and it's hard to do it by hand. Right. I also have an assistant that she helps me a lot. So we kind of work together and, um, but we also do like hand pen sewing. Cool. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was just recently looking at the, the technology for quilting and machines. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. The formats, they can be extremely large and, um, yeah, pretty interesting stuff. Um, so have you ever had a studio in the United States or has it always just been in, um, in Mexico? It's always been in Mexico. It's more affordable. Uh -huh. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I bet. Yeah, more affordable. Um, has anything changed in the pandemic? Have you been in the studio working or um, did you take a break? Um, I had at first I had like lapses, you know, that I, I said, you know, why, why should I be doing work? You know, what is the purpose mm -hmm. at first? But then I started going crazy and I said, this is what I do, you know, and if I die hanging, sewing a, a piece or hanging a, 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 a picture or a painting or a piece, let, you know, that's the only thing I know how to do. So for me now, it's been um, a, um, 
life life preserver. <laughs> right. Yeah, keeping yeah. it going. Keeps me sane. One of the things that I saw looking up some of your stuff was uh, your sewing on uh, film slides. So it hasn't just been fabrics that you've been doing. Um, can you tell us about well, some of that stuff? Yeah, you know, the photograph has been a tool that I used even when I first started painting, I would, you know, use uh, photographs. I used to, uh, a lot of photographs from like from Natural Geographic uh, magazines. I would, you know, uh, use them as, you know, uh, for reference and so the the photograph has always been there then I started taking pictures but in 2006 um, I received a, um, a a box with a lot of slides uh, about 300 slides that were my dad's um, of trips that he took before he married in this boat that he built and um, so it, it, that was a very important part of my in my in my in my life at the time, you know, I just recently divorced at that time. So it was like, I was opening myself to this new adventure, you know, in this, so I was, there was this kind of, um, um, my father died when I was 16. So it was a way of connecting with him and kind of appropriate his vision, you know, what he was seeing from his boat and kind of appropriating and making it mine. Mm -hmm. So that I started working with the slides. And since I like to sew, I started, you know, sewing and embroidering the slides and then projecting the slides and then printing the slides. So there was all this and then painting on top and then the putting applique. So I, I, there were a lot of layers to them. Um, and um, and I, I, I still have this body of work that I, that I usually do once in a while, you know, that it's, that I work with. A lot of people give me photographs. A lot of people give me slides and I like like with clothing, you know, they, they carry this kind of vibe and they, this kind of experience of living, you know, in this kind of um, um, patina, you know, of, of life um, that I like to kind of appropriate and, and, and work with it. You know, it, it, comes, it comes with stuff already, you know. Yeah, I think that's one of the sad things about the modern era. We don't have that tactile quality, like you're mentioning slides and the artifact of film and all those kinds of things. It's something that you know, anybody that didn't grow up in that time where they kind of knew what that stuff was, they're kind of missing out a little bit, I think. Everything being digital, not tactile. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Um, I've seen some photos of your house in Takati. It looks really amazing being right next to the border there. And you mentioned um, the land being really important and all that kind of um, information. It looks really beautiful out there. Um, did you build your house or? Yeah. Um like I said, you know, I want, I was going to be an architect. So, you know, and I like to build things and I like, you know, work with space, you know, that's why I also like to do installations and everything. But um, yeah, um, I knew this place that was on sale, you know, this piece of land that was right beside the border. Um, I wanted to go back to, you know, at the first, at first I was living in San Diego. So the, the idea was to go and, you know, have like a weekend home and I probably have my studio there and, you know, work there and go back and forth, back and forth. But then I decided to move completely over here. So there was this uh, brick house that was already built and then uh, I needed to build a studio. So I kind of started meeting people here in Tecate, they were doing, you know, sustainable construction, you know, architecture. And I met this uh, architect that was working with it. And so we kind of start 
working on this, this, the second house um, is a straw bale house, you know, with a, Adobe. A, Adobe. And, you know, I got really into that, you know, so it was a really incredible collaboration that we had. And I built this, um, this house. And then um, I built another house, another little cottage at the, at the back of the property. Um, and then I built another one. So there are four little houses. And I was born in Arcadia and Arcadia is this utopical, you know, mythological city. Um, so I decided to name my complex Arcadia and each of the houses is called uh, from one of the elements. It's uh, fire, air, earth, and water. So um, yeah, it, it turned out like a very, um, and, and I included it in my retrospective because, you know, I was, invested in about four or five years in building these houses and a lot of creativity and a lot of my work you know I feel believe that it was part of my in my artistic artistic expression uh, yeah sounds amazing so many artists I think um also design you know there's so many great artists who are you know building their own studio and designing spaces as part of just what they do it's a natural progression too I think um and I love the idea of a straw bale adobe house. I love that kind of stuff. Um, was we're, the, we're here in that in this house right now in the in the adobe house. Um, um, was the original building on the property adobe too, or it was no, a brick it was house? brick. It was a br oh. brick house, and uh, that is a firehouse, casa fuego, and the adobe house is a casa tierra, earth house, and my studio is in water house, casa agua, and I. <laughs> And the characteristic of that house is that I had all these um, glass bottles, you know, really large ones, and I filled them with water. And on the west facade of the house, I incorporated them in the wall. Oh, so wow. When the sun comes down, it reflects, and you have all these, you know, fractals inside of my studio. And it's it amazing. It sounds, yeah. So it's, yeah, I had a lot of fun. I did a lot of things that would be almost impossible to do in the United States because of building permits and all that. Here in Mexico, it's a little bit easier and also cost-wise, you know. Uh, do you see yourself doing anything other, any other architectural projects outside of um, your house project? Or? I would love to do that. Yeah. I would love to do that. I think, um, yeah, I'd love to build. I mean, for me, it's just incredible, yeah. So yeah. I've had opportunities, you know, of helping, you know, kind of doing some um, um, design work for, you know, small things, but I would love to do it in a larger scale. Yeah, definitely. One of the building owners, uh, Jim Brown, one of the bread and salt owners, uh, Jim Brown, he's an architect and I'm, I don't know, we would all love, I'm sure, to go visit you and see your place. I don't know if after COVID, maybe we could arrange a studio visit and actually that see That would be it. wonderful, yes. Um, do you ever, did you have visits and stuff like that um, uh, to show off the property uh, before yeah. COVID? Yeah, there is um, the architect that I work with and also a couple people here uh, have been brought people over, you know, and especially I'm very proud of my, um, my Adobe house because, you know, I have a composting toilet, even though I'm, I'm in the city, right? Mm -hmm. I did a composting toilet and I try to be as more sustainable as possible. And, you know, it's, it's a way of, of showing people how you can create beautiful things, you know, with very little money 
and um, be very sustainable and uh, and practical and beautiful and live beautifully, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, I've had the opportunity of working on a lot of disciplines. Like I first started, started as a painter, you know, doing paintings, and then doing working with textiles and doing soft sculpture and installation. I've done performance. Um, and you were painting, uh, was that part of your first experience with the, the artist run um, uh, studio? Uh, what was his yeah. name? And the, with, the, with Felipe Edinburgh. Okay. Because he was a performance artist and he really encouraged me to go into for performance. Um, and yeah, I did a couple of performance. I did, I did one in uh, a couple in Tijuana. I did one at the Museum of Contemporary Art in, in San Diego. No, I did two there. Um, oh, that was in 2000, no, 19, geez, 97, 98. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, I, I like to dabble in, in everything, you know, and, and kind of, you know, experiment uh, uh, with, with the situation. And the last, um, the last um, experience that I had, it was even though it wasn't a performance, uh, I lived in Oaxaca for, for one year full time and, and another year going back and forth because what I did is I studied, I mean, I worked with, a, with the Museum of Textiles in Oaxaca project called um, Identidades Revestidas, which is uh, redressed identities. That was a really incredible project that I worked because I interviewed about 40 uh, migrants and from those 40 migrants, I, um, I chose um, 10 stories. Uh, and those stories were of them going to the United States and going back and their stories of uh, transformation, you know, how their perception. Migrants that arrived in Oaxaca that were on their way to the US so from South America? Or no, our, uh, migrants that lived in Oaxaca and then went to the United States and then they came back to, their, to Oaxaca, right? Wow. So um, it was really, uh, I, I, and, and, and I worked with the, with the indigenous clothing that they used, the typical clothing, uh, which usually talks about the story of the community, you know. But in this case, that same um, clothing taught us, uh, talked about the story of the individual. Um, in Tecate, there are about in Tecate in Oaxaca, there are about um, sixteen different uh, ethnical groups, ethnic groups in mm. in Oaxaca. So the diversity and the textiles and the food and the language is just overwhelming. Um, so I picked ten stories, and um, and I showed the pieces at the museum of of, of textiles in Oaxaca. Uh, but it was the first time that I started working with the st story of the other. You know, um, and but then I realized that the first migrant was myself, was me, because I was the one that. But I was came from north, and mm -hmm. then I went to south, and then I came went back to to the north. You know, to 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 uh, Tijuana. I was living in Tijuana at the time, so um, that's when I started like really, um, um, you know, engaged with the with the community and. Most of the works, obviously, I sometimes I commission the, the, the clothing to be to be done in a certain way um, for for the piece. Um, so I were you know working with the artisans and and you know and it, it was a really incredible experience uh, there 
the concept of gelaguetza, which is a very um, typical um, 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 uh, fiesta that they that they do yearly, where they invite people from all the different communities to come, and they offer and they dance, and they you know it's a big so it's a very uh, community based community um, moved situation, you know, and and tequio, it's another concept that I that I learned in that I knew about in in Oaxaca, which is um, tequio would mean like if you come from LA and you come to San Diego, you know, and so you come to a community in San Diego before you accept it, you're accepted to a community, you should give to the community, okay? You give, um, you, know, you know, you work for somebody or you, you, um, you offer things, you know, material things or work, whatever. And then after a while, the community accepts you. So you kind of have to earn your way, you know? So I thought those concepts were just very incredible, you know, especially at this day and age. Uh, so when I moved here to Tecate, I said, you know, I'm going to start, you know, with those concepts, you know. So right now I'm the curator of the small gallery, city gallery here in Tecate, which is uh, located in the main plaza of Tecate. I don't know if you've been in Tecate. I have just a little bit and I'm excited to hear the name of the space and more about it. And I can't wait to get down there again. It's a very small gallery, but it's located, it's perfectly located because, you know, it's where the people are, the people from the city go every Sunday, you know, and you have the musicians outside, you know, and, and the vendors and the people, you know, that take their families there. So there's a really big um, um, cultural center here in Tecate also, but it's way outside, you know, and it's very imposing. It's really this big, really big building. But this small gallery, it's very, very um, inviting. You know, and um, times that I've driven through, it's almost like time has stopped. You know, the architecture and the signage and all the stuff is really beautiful. I love driving through there. So, um, so I'm working as a curator there right now. Um, so space? it's called Galeria de la Ciudad, Gallery of the City in Tecate. And um, with the pandemic, it's it's been it's not being you know it's not being opened you know, but I, we had already two shows um, and the, my idea is to combine one artist from Tecate with one from somewhere else. Cool. So the, you know, the idea is for, to invite artists to come to this very special place that is Tecate, which is Pueblo Magico, you know, a magical uh, town. Um, and we know there's a lot of nature and there's a lot of interesting things going on. So inviting people, artists from, to come from, from here to here, you know, and kind of get involved with the artists here, you know, have, have them, the artists here, have them kind of, you know, involved with, with other artists from, from other places. So the first, the first show was a photographer from here in Tecate with a photographer from Japan. I mean, wow. It was incredible. And she did all the work because she said, you know, I have this artist that I really admire his work. You know, I really love him, love his work. And I, and he's so special. And, and I said, well, why don't you, you know, they were friends in the Facebook. And I said, why don't you invite him over here to Tecate? And she said, what? Yeah, invite him. And, you know, maybe you can, you guys can show something. So yeah, she called, she, she contacted him, you know, just one-on-one. -on -one. And he said, yeah, great. I love it, you know. So she did 
So she had this the Sakut in Tijuana. He he showed it the Sakut because she kind of helped him over, you know, to so he had the two shows, one in Tijuana and one in Tecate. Right. So I really love that because the institution, because the, the La, La Galeria de la Ciudad, it's a it's a state-run institution, you know, no funds at all. You know, it's very, very, you know, very little funded. But there is the this petition. You know, there's this place and they pay light um, in their new We don't pay rent. Um, so, uh, but the artists are the ones that are doing everything, you know. So that that really that really encourages me and really, you know, motivates me and gives me hope that we can we can we can do things, you know, if we put our minds to it, we can do really interesting things. And they don't have to be like these wild big things, you know. We can start small, but I really love the people that go in and get in touch with, with the art. Yeah, artists and art lovers are really energetic, especially, you know, when it comes to helping. I've had so many artists come to help and install shows and things over the years. And it's, you know, it's always exciting to have people stay up all night and help install something or just, you know, do whatever they can to help um, help another artist. Um, what does the public think of the space? Do you do you? you know, um, I guess outsiders, people that are, you know, working class and things like that. What do they think of an art space in Takati? Well, they're really hungry for it, you know, and they really appreciate it. And um, there's the, the, you know, the, they have this uh, book, notebook, that, you know, that people write their comments and everything. And it's incredible. I mean, the, the, the show, the photograph show, and then a show that I had there, we had about, I don't know, about a thousand visitors, you know, uh, for for a small town, it was just incredible. And they take a lot of schools in, you know. So I did a couple, a cut up a couple um, guided tours, you know, of the exhibitions for schools. So there's the people here in Tecate are really, really organized in that way, you know. Especially the director of the the cultural center sat here in Tecate. He's really, really good at that, you know, getting people together and and schools and, and all that. So, yeah. Yeah, I was able to show, uh, Griselda Rosas curated a show at Sea Art um, in TJ and um, it was really fun working with them. Um, when did that space start that you were just talking about in Takati? When did you guys um, start organizing there? Uh, I started there in 2000, late 2018. Okay. So it, the first show was my show. Mm -hmm. I did a show. <laughs> I showed my work and I really wanted that because I wanted, I had, I moved here in 2013 and I hadn't shown here in Tecate at all. So, you know, it's like, okay, uh, it's, I think it, by now, you know, there's five years living here. I can consider myself a little bit more from Tecate. And it was a, my way of kind of presenting myself to, to the town and, and, um, so that was my first, the first show. Then there was a show from uh, from uh, Sarai Caballero and Daito from Japan, and then there is uh, there was a show for Marisa Raigosa. I don't know if you know her. She's a really interesting uh, artist from Tijuana, and an artist from here from 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 Tecate. And um, the next show is one artist from here uh, called Rosco. He is a graffiti artist and Bill Finney. Oh, cool. Diego. So we're working on that. You know, Bill has been, you know, health wise, you know, a little bit, uh, you know, um, not being able to, 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 uh, 
work on it right now. But yeah, hopefully, hopefully, you know, and by um, spring or um, we'll have a, a show from there, some San Diego, San Diego artists and to here in one here in. in yeah, that sounds really cool. Um, I've worked with Bill Feeney before on some projects at MCASD. Um, what an exciting thing to have a space in Takati. I can't wait to go down there and see some stuff. Um, yeah, inspiring too. It's like, uh, I don't know, Bread and Salt's always inspiring to me to just work on another show, just plan something else. It's, I don't know, part of the excitement of being an artist, just, you know, always trying to figure out what the next thing is going to be. Um, Thank you very much. Um, and you'll be talking with Griselda on Friday, I believe. So yes, yes. Cool. I'll be doing all this in Spanish. Yeah. What do you <laughs> what do you think of the idea? I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. You know, and and I think, you know, we should kind of reinforce, you know, these two forces, you know, especially art-wise, because there is there isn't any borders you know here in this when we're talking with art there shouldn't be any borders so i think it's wonderful you know it's opening up the the possibilities and i congratulate you for that yeah i think it's going to be really interesting just to make sure since you know it was such an exciting time pre-covid just visiting um baja and everything and just you know participating in shows just making sure that everybody's just aware still of what is happening because people like yourself haven't stopped making work so yeah. um, just making sure that everybody's kind of keeping up. Um, so thank you very much. I'm going to end this right now. So okay. thanks for talking and I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Take care, Thomas. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. If you'd like to hear episodes in Spanish, you can check out the Pan Ye Saw podcast. Um, that's hosted by Griselda Roses for Bread and Salt. Um, and you can find her interviewing people like Irma Sophia Porter and more. Um, and that's the Pan Ye Saw podcast. Thank you.